Good morning. We are getting ready to start. Glad you're here today, and uh, welcome those that are on Facebook Live as well. And we're looking for whatever God wants to do with us today. Glad you're here. Um, my uh, uh, first of all, I wanted to say we uh, encourage you to get your books uh, and workbooks for those that are going to be in the uh, class starting this Wednesday night. Chris will be back there at the end of the service to uh, get your books, and uh, if you'd like to give her money, or you can do that uh, in the offering or give it online. And so we're looking forward to this. I think this is going to be one of those times that uh, God is going to really impact some people's lives like they've never been before. You're like, uh, when you understand what God, God's plan for your life that's a significant step and how that God leads you uh, with experiences and the tools so that you can do whatever he asks ask you to do. And so that will be uh, starting this Wednesday here at 6 o'clock. We'll be watching a video, and then we'll break out in, in group, small groups and uh, have prayer uh, after the uh, class. So. Uh, then also remind you of the connection cards and um, to tell us what's going on in your life. There's a lot of things that are happening in your life. We want to hear about that and pray with you about that. And also the offering is back there in the back there, and that's where you can give or you can give online. So let's start today with the word of prayer. If you will uh, join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we can come to a God. Uh, in a, love a God that loves us deeper than we uh, in a love that's uh, deeper than we can wrap our mind around. How that you gave us your Son for us. So that we could have the best of heaven. With you and God. So that we could have this relationship with we you and God. Got the better end of the deal. We, we certainly God, got the better end of the deal. God, a gracious God. We get a perfect God, sometimes God, a loving God, a gracious God. Gracious back to you. We're always sometimes loving. God, we aren't always God, gracious back anyway. to you. We're not always loving. We're thankful for that. We're thankful God, for you how love God, us you're anyway. working in each of our lives. We're thankful for that. We're thankful how God, you're working in each of our lives. As we come today, there there may be some struggles that we may be facing. Some things in our heart. You're the person that we need God, to talk to. You're the person. So I think about, you're the person that uh, we need to talk to. Uh, Jeff's wife. Karen, so I think about um, the, some uh, health Jeff's wife right now, Karen is going through uh, the some health for, issues right uh, now, and, and those that uh, are getting to have surgery. At the pray Bell for uh, those that are getting to have surgery. I think of Elsie and Ron, and then Taki. Others and Ron. We we ask blessings on Ron, and then Taki. His mother's in the hospital right now. We're not sure that. His mother knows you, God, and I know that's a burden for Taki. We ask that you bless Taki and encourage him as he's there in Greece. I think of also my wife as she is there in Kansas. I ask that you bless her and trying to help minister to her dad. Ask that you bless her and give her wisdom. And we don't know what you got planned for his life. And God, we. God, if this is we the don't time know what you, you got planned for his life. But a peaceful home God, if going. this is the time that you want to take him on home, that it be a, a peaceful home for the rest of the family. And, and we just ask that you well. just uh, comfort my and wife Father, and the rest of the family. Father, I pray also for uh, my mother as well. 
Has Father, I, I pray COVID also for um, my dad who has recently so come Father, down with COVID. Father, I pray that you just also comfort his heart and my mom's heart as she goes through this. So Father, I pray that you just also comfort his heart and my mom's heart as she goes through this. I know this. you have the ability to do and that. And you might raise We trust you with all this. All God, I know you have the ability to do life, that. Lord, we certainly We do. trust you with all this. All that we know that you have on in our life, Lord, we certainly a reason for all that we know that you have a purpose, a reason. Embrace for all that you allow in our life. Will. And so, Lord, we'll just your plans. embrace the experiences your will. that you're going to lead us in. Your plans. As we think about this the experiences uh, that you're the series coming up in a week. Lesson. As we think about what this, what on earth uh, am I here for? The series coming up in a I week. I pray that lesson. everyone what understands on earth am I here that God's for? got a plan for I pray each that of us. everyone wants to use us in a powerful way. God's got a plan that we're open to find and discover what that plan is. That the that experiences of life and, and discover what that plan is. All the things that have happened that to us to this point, of life God is setting us up for whatever. All the things that have happened to us to this point, God is setting us up for whatever's next. And so, God, I to be written to in our chapter in a powerful way, Lord. This is Your so service. We are Your Jesus. You are a powerful way, Lord. This is Your service. We are Your people. Our Savior. You are our Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father equips us. Our dwells with us. Thank you for that. Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we are going to raise our voices and a heart to sing and worship you. Now, Father, we are going to raise our voices and a heart to sing and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us this morning.
amazing song, huh? It says it all. With the knowledge of that song and those words and who Jesus is, we can, we can sing, You Are My King. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted.
That's a tough one to say, huh? In all I do, I honor you. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow. Those are tough words, I tell you, to live by, authentically, but uh, that's why we're here, because we're weak, we need to learn, we need to refuel ourselves, we need God's Holy Spirit to empower us. I don't know, we, I, I had a tough week, I know a bunch of the rest of you did too, uh, but uh, God's on the throne, we win. <laughs> And it's going to be good. Anyway, Lord, bless our time together here. We, um, we are just anxious to hear from your word. We thank you for our pastor, even though he's struggling with a tough week and his wife's uh, parents' illnesses and his own parents' illnesses. God, uh, yet he's been able to prepare a message just for us, something that we desperately need to hear. So we pray that your hand will be upon him. You'll give him wisdom, uh, remembrance of the things he's prepared. Uh, may he communicate the way we need to hear so that we are different. We are changed through your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's true, like what uh, Joseph finished up. You know, we're here to not just gain knowledge, but we're here because God wants to do a transformation that transformation comes through God's word. And if we're willing to follow God's lead in our lives, there will be transformation. 
I feel like that this is a, a season that a church is getting ready to enter into the, the special studies and the and the sermons that we'll be uh, talking about in the next few weeks is that this is going to be a time where many of us are going to make some decisions and a time where uh, we're going to allow God to uh, cause us to grow and even step up in an area that maybe we're not comfortable, but God is comfortable leading you to that position because he knows he's got it and he can equip us and help us and, know, and he knows exactly how he wants to use us. So I pray that you're open to that and be in prayer about that as we enter into uh, this season for a church. God definitely has a plan for you. He loves you. Wants to bless you and use you in a powerful way. And, uh, you know, when we think about how God wants to use us, it's usually God has something different. You know, we have a, an idea of how we want to be used to God, and we think about ourselves, you know, we think about, okay, this is the way I am, and this is what I can do, and so forth. And so then we kind of plan um, our lives or our, uh, what, how God wants to use us around how we think we can be used. But God is bigger than that. And uh, so just Go with what God wants to use you. Uh, go with his, so to speak, Holy Spirit flow in how he wants to use you and to fit your life to his divine purpose. And it's a place of surrender. It's a place of, that when we do surrender is a place that we will not regret from following God. And so this morning, we're going to look in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 5, the last chapter in this book of 1 Peter. We've been going through this, this uh, uh, passage, this, this chapter, or this book of 1 Peter, and Peter's writing here. And so we come to this last chapter, and we'll spend a few uh, verses in chapter 5 from verses 1 to 7. And in this, as we look at this, God again, is setting us up for success. And, and the, one of the things that he does, he puts in our lives people that are spiritual leaders to help uh, us in our journey with God, but also to present, uh, uh, hopefully, a godly example to follow uh, as we follow Jesus. So let's look in verse 1, 1 Peter chapter 5. It says here, I'm reading out the ESV. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And what a day that will be. Number two, verse two, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So Peter is writing this letter. 
And the context of it is that he's writing to churches that have been experiencing some difficult times. They are being persecuted for simply loving God and loving each other as God would love them. And so here we have uh, this church that these churches that Peter writes, and he's giving some words of encouragement in this passage. He gives some instruction, and these instructions are, are geared towards uh, to the elders. Now, if you've been around church any length a number of uh, any any length number of times or a time, you uh, will no doubt experience some suffering from without. You know, every church has uh, some some opposition as we go forward in following Jesus. And later on in this passage, he's talking about um, the devil. And the devil is real, and he's an enemy, and he has, he has a, a blueprint plan to close every church in every city, in every state, in every nation, every country. It is his desire to close the church is down, but I love how God says, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against, you know, the church that is going to go forward, and uh, the enemy is not going to be victorious. And God has a plan to override what the, Satan's plan to silence the church. He has the strength, he has the power and the wisdom to do this. And, and when we see a church or churches going into a time of suffering of being persecuted. My friend, take courage that this, because you understand that when we watch or track the history of churches, churches grow through persecution. There are churches here in our world that are being persecuted. There are countries that where the churches and the Christians are being persecuted. And China is one of them. That's a communist country that's anti-God, and uh, Christianity is opposed to what the communist believes, and, and there is a desire to stamp that out. And in the, in the Christians in China, it is one of the fastest places where, where, where people are becoming born-again Christians. Seven to eight percent, they, they estimate that there's a, Christian, there's a growth in China in this in this. Uh, country that is trying to stifle the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is estimated that by the year 2030, that as the, the projected growth that is going, that China will have 300 million Christians by 2030, if the, if the projected growth continues as it is right now. That's almost as much as the population of the United States right now. Here's what I'm saying, folks, is that persecution, it seems to be a friend of, of church growth during the times that people uh, go through some difficult times. And then here in America, the opposite is happening. Christianity is on a decline. Christianity, it was on, a, on an upswing, but now we have a declining of Christianity. We have churches closing. We have churches that are plateauing. We have churches that, that uh, are wrestling whether they can keep the doors open. And praise God that God has done 
a wonderful work in this church where we were one time wrestling with the thought of closing and now God has brought back life and a testimony to the, into this community. And God do, has doing amazing things through this ministry. And we give that glory all to what God is doing. So God has Peter writes this, write this letter to give encouragement, instruction to this church that is suffering. And he comes and he gives some instructions, especially to the elders, those that are example, those that are in leadership. He says, now listen, guys, you got to be on your A game through the suffering. You got to be, you got to be doing what you need to be doing through this time of suffering. And so he sits down and he writes and he thinks about these elders. He thinks about them. And so you say, well, pastor, that says, uh, I'm, I'm exhorting the elders. I'm, I'm talking to the elders. So, so why should we pay attention to this passage of scripture? Well, two things come to my mind that fits us all. First of all, we should listen to how an elder should elder, so we should know how a good elder elders. <laughs> we need to understand, okay, well, what makes a good elder? And so let's, let's look at what Peter writes here. And so number two, we should all look at as an elder as perfect instruction for us how we are to mature in Christ. You see, how should we serve one another? Well, how is an elder serve? How, how should we love one another? Well, how is an elder love? They are to be an example. They're meant to be an example for us to follow, a physical example for us to follow uh, a goal to move forward. Like what Paul said. Remember what Paul said? Paul said, you listen, as I follow Christ, you follow me. And that's what Paul said. He said, he put himself in an example. As I follow Jesus Christ, then I, I implore you, I encourage you to follow me on that same path. And so there to be an example to us all. So let's look at verse one. Again, so I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So we're going to look at some ways that the job description about an elder, okay? What Peter describes, and there, there's nine things that I want to give you this morning, and we'll go through these quickly. But first of all, that elder means more than just being old, right? It means more than just being old. Elders, number two, were first established as leaders among God's people with Moses. I'll give you a little history of, the, of what we call the elders in the scriptures. Um, it was first mentioned in the book of Genesis and uh, the, how that they were um, denoting or uh, uh, promoting a, a person who, was, who had some authority and, and respect and reverence that were given by those there in Israel. When it says the elders of Israel held a rank among the people indicative of authority, Moses, they commissioned uh, to them in Exodus chapter 3 when he's talking about letting the ch children of Israel go. He says in Exodus 3.16, he says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So he gathered these elders together and these group of respected men and, uh, that were godly men. And Moses gave them uh, some instruction, what God had told them. The body of elders of Israel were representatives of the people from the, first, uh, from the very first and were recognized as such by Moses. 
And all down through the history of the Old Testament and the Jews, the children of Israel mentioned several times that, uh, that the elders were used in different ways. They sometimes appeared as governors. Sometimes they, they were local magistrates or, or they were administering justice as in uh, Deuteronomy 19. They were men of extensive influence of 1 Samuel chapter 13. So they were men of, of a position that will, that will respect, to, to look up to. Then we cross over into the New Testament. Listen to what Vines says about this. The office of elder was the only permanent essential office of the church under either dispensation, referring to the Old Testament to the New Testament. So this elders group of this position, it, it, it carried over into the New Testament. You see, when we look at the elders of the New Testament church, as Ephesians 4.11 says, they were pastors or bishops or overseers, as it says in Acts 20.28, 20, or leaders and rulers, as it says in Hebrews 13.7 and 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Uh, 5, they were leaders of the flock. And everywhere in the New Testament, bishop and presbytery are titles given to one in the same office of the Christian church. So what we're saying here is, as is in your notes, number three, in the New Testament is often interchangeably with the words that can be interchanged as pastor. And then it also means the word pastor means shepherd. Bishop means overseer. Presbyter means elder. So all those things, all those words, pastor, overseer, uh, bishop, uh, elder, they're all referring to one person, one individual. Number four, elders were men who had a testimony of faithfully following God. They had earned a right to be set up as an example to follow. You remember when Peter, when Paul was writing to Timothy and he talked about, you know, the family of, of the pastor how, how they, and, and as well as the deacons, that there were some qualifications. They looked to their family, how they led their family well. And so there's some qualifications that were set up. And say, so you see in the example that were there, then they will do that also in the ministry as well. And so they had learned this right. And, and it was a practice of Paul and Barnabas when they would go around and to, to start churches that, that they would appoint, as it says in Acts 14, they would point elders or pastors for them in every church. And so when they go through this, and, and my friend, when we're looking at the New Testament, this is so important, is that we're to look at the New Testament. When we talk about churches, it's primarily talking about the local churches. That when they, they went, went to this uh, city and they established uh, a church, that they appointed an elder or pastor in that church. And they went to another. And those, so they were churches and local churches. Peter was writing a letter to local churches, to those Christians in those churches, and he was talking about those elders that were in those churches whom he was writing. And so when you see the New Testament, it gives us the office of the pastor or shepherd or bishop or overseer or elder, but also gives the office of the deacon, which is the deacon is to serve the church. They are servants of the church. And uh, remember, God is setting us up to be blessed. He put these offices in the church to, to, to help us on our journey. It is there to be a blessing to help us with whatever decisions that we have to make spiritually and in our lives so that we might be the, the best parent or the best father or mother, marriage, 
a Christian and have the greatest testimony. Uh, and so the pastor is there, and as well as the deacons, they are there to help us, help us in Christ. And also there is a picture that is presented to each of us of, 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 the, of what a, a, a person who is following Jesus Christ. My friend, listen, none of us are perfect. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect bishop. There's no perfect overseer. There's no perfect deacon. There's no perfect teacher. There's no perfect Christian. But there ought to be a sense where we're people, they're growing. There ought to be a sense that there's a decisions being made in that individual's life. And you can see them maturing. You can see that there's growth. And there's mistakes that I make and that you make and we all make. And, and, but yet God is wanting us to learn by those and have this growth in our life. Just for our vision, we talked about this the other night, that, you know, we have a vision to expand the pastoral team. And we've had different ones that have come in, great men of God who've come alongside us. Well, we've determined that, you know, we need to have some men that, that uh, are not coming from the outside, but are coming right from within. And we believe that God is raising up some godly men to be on a pastoral team or called an elder, called a bishop, called, uh, to be a part of that overseer uh, team. And we look forward that we pray, pray and hope and ask God to help us as we expand that in the year 2021. And so let's, let's look on in verse 2 and 3, okay? Let's go on to verse. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And then he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And so um, here is a description, a more description of an elder. So number five is to be a shepherd. This is what an elder does or a pastor does. A bishop does, a presbyterian does. An elder is to be first recognized that he is a shepherd. And he has to recognize, that has to recognize that the flock is God's flock. It's not his flock. And so no pastor should fleece the flock because if you're fleecing the flock, it's God's flock and you got to answer to God, right? Who wants to answer to God about something that you have done wrong against what belongs to him? And so God says, that this is, and Peter writes as a shepherd, the flock of God. God has placed each pastor in a place to oversee and care for something that belongs to God. And when you think about that, this is a heavy responsibility. A pastor or an elder is responsible for the care of the very people who Jesus Christ died for. Oh my goodness. Acts, it says in verse 20, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Listen, a pastor and elder should look at this as a, as a responsibility that is heavy, that these are the people that God died for, Jesus died for. These are great, uh, great, of great value to God. And then God comes along and, 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 it's, and it's undaunting task that he says, I want you to care for this, the people that I have died for. That is a heavy responsibility and only can be done through the power of God. And then also that God says that you will be accountable for 
these individuals. Hebrews 13 says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are, to, and they are accountable to God. Give them a reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. In other words, that one day, the elders and the pastors of this church and previous pastors, elders of this church, we will all stand and every person that was under the care of this church that has joined this church and been part of this church God pulls that individual up and says, I want to give you, you're accountable for how did you minister to that? How did you care for that individual? And and Paul says there, I believe as Paul written, it says, says, uh, we want to do this with joy and not with sorrow. We want to enjoy that, that first of all, that the pastor had done his job well and he's done it. He'd been faithful to that. He presented a great example. He had loving care and was a good shepherd. To the, uh, to the great shepherd, the good shepherd, under shepherd. And he did it well. I wanted joy. But also that, that it can present, you know, that, that when that person stands before that, that yes, they were, uh, they were uh, walking with God. They were growing with God. Oh, God, that was such a wonderful thing. And we can report and say, this individual that, that stands before who you're bringing it into our account and say that they were saved. They, were, they, they walked in you. They got baptized and, and they grew in Christ. And God used them and, and did a powerful thing in their life. Oh, God, that was a wonderful testimony. How, oh, God, you worked in their life. Oh, what, what a joy that will be. And there may be some that will be sorrows. Oh, God. They just never surrendered. They, they just they were never all in. Yeah, they showed up and they were our friends, but God, they, they just never totally surrendered. They never just gave it all. God, I, we wanted to and we encouraged them. There may be times where we have to say in sorrow. And God just saying is that for, listen, for every pastor, for every elder, there's going to be a day of an account how we operated as a pastor. And, and we're to have this shepherd heart. We're to, we're to have this heart that's, that's just like the good shepherd. That a pastor should lead them like the same care God has for them. He should lead them to green pastures. He should seek them when they stray. Leave the 99 to search for the one who has lost their way. He should protect uh, from those who try to destroy the flock. He should calm them in their fears, comfort them in their pains, and above all, he should love the flock like God loves them. This is a tall order for every pastor. That is what God asks us to do. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, and he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees them because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. A good shepherd, good pastor, good elder lays his life down willing to sacrifice for the benefit of the others. Remember going back into just the previous time when we talked about the husband and the wife relationship, there's that mutual submission. 
and how the, the, the husband is to lay his life a sacrifice for the benefit of his wife. And the wife should do the same as well. It's a mutual submission that, that comes. And as a pastor, that there is a laying their life down for the benefit of the, of the flock. And then number six, an attitude of willingness. You see that they, they were there to uh, not exercise, uh, excuse me, be a, sh- a shepherd of the flock that of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. An attitude of willingness. And this is what we, you know, we're talking about this week, you know, and, and the, finding our purpose. And God is, is wanting us to, first of all, to pray our hearts as, as we enter into the season. Okay, how does God want to use me? Are you willing to be used of God? There's this, this willingness. God, uh, uh, however you want to use me. A pastor goes through that process. And not only at the beginning of his ministry, but through all uh, his life. How does God want to use us that we ought to have this attitude of willingness that we're not forced or manipulated in a serving, but we volunteer willingly, God, here I am, use me. And God uses a heart as willing to be used, to be open, to love God's people as a shepherd loves the sheep and wants to serve them. So he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And so the other word is mentioned about the description of the elder was be to be eagerly, willing to serve, eagerly, apart even from financial compensation. That, that it doesn't matter what, what be given uh, towards that individual, that they serve because God wants them to serve and just trust that God will take care of the need. And so this eagerly, you know, stepping up and ready to be used of God is mentioned there. That we're ready, that we're wanting to be used of God, and it doesn't matter what I get out of it or what I don't get out of it, that we're okay with that. And when you think about the church, the church is a people business. And to be a good leader, we, we must have a love for people. We want to be with them, knowing them, understanding what they're going through and how they think and how they feel. You know, this is what a shepherd does. He looks to the care and he watches it. Oh, they're starving or they're hungry or they're, or they're wandering off. And, and then he knows this and he, and he senses this and he, and he tries to reach down and, and help them. This is one of the reasons why we're going to spend the, the, the uh, pastoral team is because this, this is a job that, that needs to be done uh, with more than one person. I mean, others need to be involved in having the care of the sheep and it'll be healthy and helpful for us. And then the next verse, verse three again, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Evidently that, Peter had this mind of domineering that, that shepherds had some, some significant authority in the church, that there was a position of leadership. And he says, if the, if the office of shepherd was so powerful that a shepherd didn't rule and lead, then there was little potential for being lords. Yet because Peter gives this warning, 
It shows that there was potential for lording over, and there is it. And, and I've been around some pastors, and I hope that I don't come across that way. Forgive me if I ever do. But I've been around pastors that I know and, and people and elders that have had this lord of looking down instead of looking with, looking down or, or becoming across as a dictator, but lovingly lead by example. Lovingly lead by example, which brings us to number eight. We lead by example. Remember Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry put on servant's robe? He brought his disciples in the house and they were getting ready to eat. And, and then he, he takes this cloth, he puts on this cloth and he takes a towel and, and, a, and a, no doubt a bowl of water and, and, he, and he goes around to each of the disciples. This, this is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is the creator. This is God himself. This is God who comes down and he kneels down before each disciple and he takes their feet and he washes their feet. Peter says, no. You remember what Peter said? No, don't wash. If you're going to do it, wash all. Jesus said, no, Peter, you're missing the, missing the purpose. You're missing the example. And at the end of it, he says, said, I'm doing this as an example that you're to be a servant. What Jesus is saying, he says, you know, the, the, the position in the house, the lowest position in that house was the servant. And we would be willing there's nothing, nothing above, uh, uh, beyond us to, to, to humble ourselves, to even do the, the lowliest tasks. It talks about the humility that is needed for this position. Jesus was willing to do the lowest task. He was never above serving in any capacity. Whether those kids, allow the kids to come. I'll go see that person who has leper. I'll, I'll be with the minister to the adulterous woman. I, I, will, I will go over there, the maniac Gadara. I will minister to him. Jesus never shied away, but always embraced those, even of the lowest uh, rank among the culture. He told them this was an example on how to serve as he washed the disciples' feet. It's called servant leadership. We are here to serve, not just the pastor, but all of us are here to serve and called to serve one another. And then the character of humility. I'm going to read the rest of these verses. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There's a reward for this, God says. As we follow him and always, he will bless us, he will use us um, as we follow him. Verse five, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility toward one. That word clothe is, is uh, directly linked to what it just said a while ago is about a servant's cloth. A servant put that cloth on it. That was a servant uh, garment. It was identifying with, with the servant. All of you with humility toward one, for God opposes the proud, but gives us grace to the humble. You want God's grace, and we must have God's grace. We need God's grace in our life, that we humble ourselves, and God's grace will be there for us. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your 
anxieties on him because he cares for you. Some marks of humility. The willingness to perform the lowest and littlest service for Jesus' sake. The consciousness of our own inability to do anything apart from God. God, I need you. I can't do this. What you're calling me to do is an order that I cannot feel. So God, I need your strength and your power. And listen, you're going to wrestle with what God wants you to do. Some of you, you know what God wants you to do. You, you were there and you're saying, I can't do this. Listen, humble yourselves and say, God, I can't. But your grace will help me to do what you asked me to do. I do not have the ability to do that, but God does. And the willingness to be ignored of men, it's okay. We're not here to be popular. We're not here to be famous. We're here to serve and be famous to King Jesus, uh, to be popular to what his will is and none other. God says, in Proverbs 3.34, and P- Peter quotes this, God resists us gr- the proud but gives us grace to the humble. If we want to live in God's grace, his unmerited favor, then we must lay aside our pride and be humble, not only to him but also to one another. And in this mutual submission, this submission, there has to be the context of humility. So I've asked the worship team to go ahead and come and get ready to sing. We have one last song that we're going to sing today. And I'll give you the background of this song. It's called a song called I Surrender All. Many of you know this song. The song was written by Junction Van Deventer, 1855 to 1939, before I was alive. He was raised on a farm in Dungy, Michigan, and after graduating from Hillsdale College, he taught in art and public schools in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Van Denter was an active layman in the Methodist Episcopal Church, including participation in revivals held the church. He loved music. He, he had spent his whole career teaching it and, and writing um, songs, and, and that was his career. That was his love. And he... Uh, he had these words of encouragement from his friends there in the church. And when, they, when he taught, they said, man, so you, need to, you need to be preaching. You need to be evangelist. And he would hear those words, and, and he, would, he would listen to that, but he didn't do anything with it. I remember when, when uh, I was going to uh, youth camp, at the age of about 14 years old. I remember God started to speak to me, not only at the youth camp, but previous time. And he, and he was there, and, and he kept as, uh, uh, pulling me, asking me, I want you to surrender your life to me. And I knew what that meant. I meant that, you know, I'm going to maybe be a pastor go to Bible college or be involved in full-time ministry in some way. 
I remember wrestling with that and, and talking to God. And I remember as clearly as, 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 as I'm seeing you today is that I remember that day in Sagmont, Joplin, Missouri, that I, the preacher preached. I don't even remember who, uh, who was preaching. I don't even remember what he's saying, but I knew that when that invitation was given, whatever song has been given, I knew that I needed to surrender. And I surrendered right there. I remember my uncle, my uncle Wayne, who was a pastor, and uh, my uncle Wayne said to me, as, as he prayed with me about this, I was telling him the decision that, that guy was asking me to do, and he said, uh, and here's what he said. Talk about trying to discourage. He said, Gary, you're just doing this because your dad's a pastor. Your mom wants you to do this. And I said, wait. I said, no. I knew this was God asking me to do something that I had wrestled with, and I didn't feel like I could do that. So yeah, But I said, no, God wants me to do this. And it didn't matter what he had to say, and, you know, he, he later came around and said, yeah, I, no, I was just trying to, trying to try you and test you to see if, if, you're, uh, if you were really going, uh, you know, with, with what God was saying. Going back to... Judson Van Denter. It took five years. And he finally remembered the time that he surrendered and gave it all in. He remembered he, he, he surrendered. And, and when he did that, he wrote this song, I Surrender All. Because he came to that place and he had wrestled about what his desire about life and what he had goals and what he wanted. And yet he came to that spot, that fork in the road, and said, God, I'm all in. I surrender all, whatever that may look like. You know, Billy Graham refers back to this hymn as one, of the, one that was great, a great hymn that would influence his early ministry. And so who would have thought that this man writing this song would later on influence Billy Graham and no doubt thousands and thousands of other Christians and even still today. Why? Because he came to a place. I surrender all. God, use me however you see fit. I'm willing. Father, this is your invitation. This is your place. This is your word. Help us, Father, as we sing this song. We sing it out of a heart that at first recognized you as Jesus, our Savior, who has died on the cross. If there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, that does not know Jesus, that they'd be willing to open their heart right now to you. If there's a Christian here, Father, that is, is battling something, and then they're hanging on to it, may this time be the time that they open up their hands and release it to your care. That situation, whatever it is, I surrender all to you, John, to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing this great hymn.
Well, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a modified version of this song. Is that okay? So we're gonna start with. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Behind me, the cross do that. 